Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here he is uh, from The Athletic covering the Mariners for us every single Monday on the radio show. Unless he's traveling and we have to move his segment, we'll be talking to Corey Brock from The Athletic. Corey, how are you, pal? What's going on? Yeah, I'm doing well, Softy. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. Hugh Millen's with us as well, and both of us saw those games over the weekend, and I don't know, it was kind of a turd sandwich in some ways for the M's. It's hard to obviously react to every single game in baseball, but what was your uh, kind of view from 30,000 feet on the opening four games for the M's, man? Well, a couple things. I mean, at the end of the day, it's four games, right? It's four games at the start of the season, but I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, heightened expectations and Certainly after what happened last season, the team coming off a, a strong spring, I, you know, I think the roster was in pretty good shape. The pitching staff certainly in good shape. And, yeah, just to come out and uh, to do what they did was a little disappointing. Um, but, you know, I, I think all those games are winnable. The defense was kind of sloppy on occasion. Um, I liked a lot what I saw out of Luis Castillo and Logan Gilbert. I think we know those guys are going to be fine. So, yeah, at the end of the day, it's just four games. You know, this is a team that was just uh, just wallowing in, you know, in an awful place last May, you know, yeah. before they got hot and got things going. So a lot of season left. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, in football equivalents, uh, NFL season, it's like the second quarter of the first game, right? That's so, right. But, but nonetheless, yeah. we've, you know, uh, we do have a, a series to comment on. Uh, the, the biggest questions – uh, in most people's minds, seemingly was uh, the, the uh, whether they had done enough and got uh, with the bat, and um, so we saw some situations where there just wasn't enough clutch hitting. What, what what was your take after four games of of the lineup and the potency of it? I think the lineup is better now than it was at the end of last season. But you know, he was. I told I told Softy and Dick on numerous occasions. I thought they were one bat shy or one bat light coming out of the off season. I would have liked to seen them uh, maybe do a little more, but again, you know, I don't write the checks and also then you got to look around and you got to figure out, okay, well, where's this guy going to play? Especially right. since you have a revolving door at DH, you're going to rotate a lot of guys through there. But I think by and large, we're going to see better offensive results. I think we're going to see an uptick in performance from guys like Jared Kelnick from Cal Raleigh as these young guys get settled in their career and, Hey, Oscar Hernandez really got into a couple balls yesterday. So I think the offense will be better, but this is all going to be driven by pitching, though. No question. Corey Brock, again, from The Athletic, is with us on the air. And I mean, first of all, let's let's talk about Robbie Ray. Um, He's on the, what, the 10-day IL, but we're hearing reports and rumors he might be out for a lot longer than that. How long do you think Robbie Ray is going to be on the shelf for, pal? Yeah, I don't suspect we would see him until May. Um, You know, they're going to take – take that really slow because uh you know they just want to make sure that he's fine and then they'll try they'll take some more tests here in a couple weeks and then try and ramp him up um and see where he's at so you know we don't know the strain the flexor strain uh could be nothing marco gonzalez missed a month with it uh two years ago for some people it's a precursor to tommy john surgery so there's no 
right. defined outcome here, but uh, really disappointing, especially for a guy that pitched so well this spring. Well, I would say a month is not nothing. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty significant. That's that's four or five starts for Robbie Ray if he ends up missing the entire month of April. But again, thank God you got Chris Flexen. My question is, Marco Gonzalez had a rough start over the weekend. Obviously, um, we've talked about the rope on Jared Kelnick. How long is the rope on Marco Gonzalez? If we see this again out of him in Cleveland next week, uh, is there cause for concern there? You think? No, again, still early. This guy knows how to attack big league lineups. I think uh, Mike Zanino, who certainly knows Marco about as well as anybody, just kind of ambushed him yesterday for that three-run home run. But beyond that, you know, I don't think he pitched uh, exceedingly poorly. So um, I think if anyone's got a long rope, uh, it's Marco. And, I, you know, I seem to think that this is a guy that um, is still going to help this team a lot this year. They're going to need him, and he knows that. And, um, I, I certainly suspect there'll be brighter performances moving forward. With Robbie Ray out, uh, just kind of explain how the chess pieces get moved around in his absence. Is it just a case of of, of everybody behind him just slides up one in the rotation and and and, and the bullpen? Just kind of give us the the highlights of of how you uh, replace him if, if it's going to be a few weeks. Yeah, Hugh, it was pretty easy because they had basically six starters for five spots. So Chris Flexen, who was in the bullpen. Uh, pitched four innings the other night, and it looks really good, too, by the way. he uh, He'll move up into Robbie's spot. Uh, and then uh, Gabe Spire, a left-hander uh, from AAA Tacoma, they brought up to take Flexen's spot. So now they do have a true left-handed uh, reliever in the bullpen, and then Flexen you know, jumps in the rotation. Certainly uh, it's put up good results the last couple of years for this team. So, um, yeah, it really makes sense now that they didn't, uh, they didn't move him in the offseason. They're going to need him. Well, the, the, the three spots offensively, Corey, that we talked about the most over the offseason were left field, DH, and shortstop, okay, with Jared Kelnick, J.P. Crawford, and that combination of whatever the heck they're trotting out there at DH. And those three spots in the first four games of the year are five for 37 with 13 strikeouts. Um, I know a lot of people are looking at Cooper Hummel and Tommy LaStella and, and just asking, what, what were the Mariners thinking? Uh, you know, uh, Jerry was on the show, I think, on Thursday, and he said, well, Tommy LaStella hits righties, and, and that's why he's in the game, and that's why he's on this roster right now as the DH. Do you get the feeling that at some point, and maybe even some point soon, they're going to have no choice but to upgrade that spot? Yeah, and I, I think we're going to see some roster churn. I mean, we always do. And I, maybe you saw the other day, Softy, they picked up uh, Nick Solak, who was uh, – yep. You know, he played for the Rangers. He's in Triple H going. This is a guy with a lot of big league experience, a guy that can move around the field. So, yeah, that's the thing. This is still, it's a performance driven game. And if these guys can't perform, they'll go out and look for some upgrades. But, you know, what that's going to be in April and May, well, I should say at least April, that's going to be guys from your own organization. You don't see a lot of trades in the first month of the year because these teams are kind of set. And they, you know, as Scott Service says, he wants to look at this team. Yeah, after 30 or 40 games and kind of see where they're at. And at that point, uh, maybe we see some moving moving deals. The defense uh, was a little wobbly at, at times. We saw Colton Wong drop what, what could have been a double play on, on, on the turn from the short. Um, obviously, Cal Raleigh, uh, hopefully that's, that's just a one-off on his big error yesterday. Just kind of what, what's your thought about a, a defense that's got to be, you know, particularly when you've – You've got uh, Marco on or what have you, and, and if they're not scoring runs, that defense got to be airtight. What's your first impressions thus far? 
I think in terms of run prevention, and we're talking pitching and defense here, um, I think the defense has, you know, the likelihood of being very good again this year. Uh, Colton Wong is a defensive upgrade. You know, I saw that play, and that's just, you know, that could happen a hundred more times, and he's not going to drop that ball. This guy's won a gold glove. J.P. Crawford's won a gold glove. We've seen what Gino Suarez can do at third. Yep. Um, I, I don't really have a whole lot of concerns with their defense. And actually, actually Teoscar Hernandez has looked really good in right field, right. Uh, going to get a variety of different balls coming in, going to his left and right, and going back. So, you know, I think at the end of the day um, – you know, run prevention is going to kind of rule the roost for this team. Uh, that's where they're going to, um, that's where they're going to make their biggest uh, headway. But I do think the offense will be a little better. But yeah, I don't worry about the defense. Yeah, Anthony Rendon, by the way, uh, who got into that little spat with a fan in Oakland last week, has been suspended five games, so he's not going to play tonight. Uh, or he, And he will miss the entire series, I guess, unless he appeals uh, with the Mariners. So that's a big one for them to be out or, or, or him not to play tonight for Anaheim and miss the entire series against Seattle. So nothing that a couple of games, a couple of wins can't cure, but you're exactly right, Hugh. This is the equivalent of people making up their mind about an NBA basketball team after the first minute of a four. 48-minute game, okay? So, yeah, yeah, we're not going down that road quite yet. All right, Corey, great stuff. Enjoy the game tonight, pal. We'll talk soon, buddy. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate okay, it, man. Uh, good stuff from Corey Brock with us every Monday from The Athletic. We're going to talk to Mike DeCourcy from Houston coming up at 5 o'clock tonight. Uh, a little Jim Nance uh, kind of tribute. He's going to be walking away from college basketball. This is his final NCAA Monday night appearance of all time. So we're going to uh, kind of go through the uh, the years a little bit and give you some of the great highlights of Jim Nance from the Final Four and from the NCAA tournament. But there is some news in football that I want to get your thoughts on, Hugh. We haven't even touched football in the first hour and 10 minutes of the show you and i were talking last week about jalen carter and about the incident on the highway how concerned should we be the combine excuse me the pro day at georgia how concerned should we be about that his agent drew rosenhaus today came out and said my client is only going to go visit and work out for teams that right now have a pick in the top 10 and two of those are obviously seattle and two of those, or excuse me, one of them is Chicago, where he's at today, by the way, picking ninth. So I thought to myself, okay, well, what if there's a team at like 11 or 12 that wants to trade up and draft this guy? Because he's sitting there at number seven or number eight, and they never thought they'd be able to get him because they thought maybe six months ago he'd be going number one. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Drew Rosenhaus <laughs> telling the world that my client's not going to work out for anybody unless they're in the top ten? Huh? You know, uh, in so many of these situations, it's kind of, I don't know when I – acquired this uh this wisdom i think we try and get wiser with every year we live right and and uh a little while back i i, I kind of came to the conclusion so many times in life these type of questions it comes down to two issues yeah. number one is the truth and, or the veracity of the statement and number two is should you say it right those are totally different things kind of okay? like keith olberman huh well, yeah, yeah, and 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 I think that we got we. I think you should drill down on each of those separately, right? To arrive at your take. And so, okay, first of all, if we just say, all right, Jalen Carter, it you know it, it, he's in essence saying, I don't want to travel to more to town. I don't want all the travel. Maybe with all the travel that'll wear me down, I won't test as well. Sure. And the word will get out that I'm not uh, as fast as an in, in good a shape, or maybe he has. Uh, you know, obviously he's got legal distractions or school or, or pers- whatever personal issues. So the idea that, I mean, it is so unlikely that he's going to fall out of the top 10. So I actually think the idea, if it was just he and his uh, Rosenhaus 
and Carter discussing their plan, the two of them, if they said, eh, it doesn't make much sense to go to anybody beyond, right? Uh, that, that, that passes the sniff test for me. I get it. But then what is the, the objective that is gained by just disclosing this publicly? In light of the problems that he's had with his legal issue and then his most recent pro day issue, you don't want to do anything that casts you off as your attitude is less than uh, exemplary. Yeah. And it, it comes off, it, 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 I think it's bad optics uh, 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 or bad audio, call it what you want. It sounds like he's big timing. Right. And given what's been happening to him over the last several weeks, I think that that was a mistake. I don't understand. You know, he can quietly tell the teams, uh, you know, if, if if a team with the 16th pick in the draft calls up, at, or, you know, mid, mid-teens, he could just say, hey, you know, he, he, I'm sorry, he's just not going to be able to make it. I don't know that you make that pronouncement. How about you? Sure, sure. Uh, no, I agree with that. But I also understand uh, the reasoning for it, uh, I think, as you said uh, so eloquently there, Hugh. Uh, you know, look, I mean, the more these guys work out, uh, it, it's more of an opportunity sometimes to make a mistake, right? That's why some guys skip the combine. In the NBA draft, they skip the combine. The NFL, they skip the combine. Hey, uh, I'm at a level right now, perception-wise, that I feel pretty good about. And I think there's a shot that I could ruin that by going to work out for a team and maybe hurting my draft stock. So I get it. I think in Jalen Carter's case, he may have to do a little more than he wants because of what happened at the pro day in Athens, honestly, and because of what happened with the incident on the highway. The teams may want to get a little bit more of a look at him before they commit a draft pick like that to a guy who's got some baggage right now. Let's face it. Sure. I had a li- this is only loosely connected, and, and I understand this analogy. Somebody's going to say, well, wait a minute. You're putting yourself in, in a category of Jalen Carter, who's a top-five pick? Yeah. I mean, what are you, clown? I get that. that Why are you part, putting yourself in a category of Jalen Carter? Well, in the following analogy, yeah, I'd, be, I'd a be a clown if I did that. <laughs> okay, so so with, with, with some trepidation, I'm going to just tell a story that I think does apply. So when uh, after my senior at Washington – uh, prior to the draft and and after the combine, there was a lot of teams that would come through, and I would throw in Husky Stadium. And I had a week where Monday uh, every day of the week, Monday through Friday, I had uh, a workout. And and for me, my standard, I thought I threw well on Monday through Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then the Redskins came in on Friday, and of the entire six week process, I threw the worst for the Red uh, for the Redskins. I just sucked ass. Um, and I don't know if it was the end of the a long week or what have you. My folk, I just, I just, I was just bad, you know. And and then the irony was uh, um, about five days later, I start getting this flood. I end up on a mailing list and I start getting all this mail from the Redskins. Wow! Like they're selling me on the Redskins, and it took me a while. Probably took me a week or two to figure out. Ah, they don't think I'm going to get drafted. And they they're recruiting me now because they want to. After I get, I don't even make. They want a free agent. These guys, wow, are, yeah. wow. Yeah. So, um, so at any rate, hey, what can happen you, if, if you do get too overloaded? With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
you know, you can just have a bad day and the sure. word can get out. Sure. Yeah, no, totally. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if this were 2023, uh, if you can, uh, by the way, you can turn your mic off when you have to cough. It's pretty easy. I just don't have flip, a cough button. Just do it, whatever. Uh, if, when you went in the third round, right? You were third round draft pick. Is yes. that correct to the Rams? If you went over the, to the now commanders and did the whole, uh, Angie Reese thing right in front of the face, it said, suck on that. You don't see me now, baby. You don't see me now. Uh, 418, Hugh Millen with us until 7 o'clock tonight. Mike DeCourcy is going to join us on the air at 5 o'clock in Thompson College Basketball. Uh, I want to know if you've ever had any run-ins with Jim Nance. I had one run-in with him, Huey, at the 2004, I believe it was, UConn-Georgia Tech final in San Antonio. Had a chance to meet him on the court after the game with Bonnie Bernstein, and he was just an unbelievable, amazing class act. And he's calling his final national championship game today. And you could argue, Huey, that Jim Nance is the voice of golf in this country. You could argue he's the voice of the NFL in this country with CBS and doing the games with Tony Romo. And you could certainly argue he's the voice of college basketball in this country. I don't know if there's ever been a guy or a gal, a broadcaster from any league or any network who can say, I am associated as the face of not one, not two, but three different sports right now. And that's what Jim Nance has become. It really is unbelievable. We got done talking about this when uh, – who was the guy, Jackson, that called the uh, Super Bowl for Fox? What was his name? Uh, Kevin, Keith, Bur- uh, Bur- Kevin Burkhart. Kevin Burkhart, sorry. So Kevin Burkhart was like the first guy in 30 years not named Jim Nance, Joe Buck, or Al Michaels to call the Super Bowl. Next year, Ian Eagle's taken over, and we're going to have somebody for the first time in 33 years at that point is going to call the Monday night national championship game for CBS. So when we come back, we're going to jump in the Wayback Machine, jump in the Time Machine, go down memory lane, listen to a few of Jim Nance's best calls ever in the NCAA tournament and the Final Four. I want to get your stories, Hugh, of any run-ins, any uh, any uh, any uh, in, uh, incidents, altercations, uh, whatever, whether good, <laughs> bad, with Jim, with Jim Nance of CBS. We'll come back and do all that right here. And then Mike DeCourcy is going to join us from Houston at 5 o'clock. Give us a take on tonight's game right here on 93.3 KJRFM. Now back to Softy and Dick on your home for Seattle's best NFL draft coverage and the 2023 NFL Draft coming April 27th. Welcome to the NFL Draft. Sports Radio 93.3 KJR-FM. Start the party. All right, back here at the Emerald Queen Casino. Uh, great spot tonight for your Monday night sports guys. We've got Kraken at 7, Mariners at 640, San Diego State, UConn at 620. So thanks to the sports gods, Hugh, for at least staggering this stuff for us. 620, uh, 7 o'clock, 710. So everything starts within, obviously, a few minutes of each other, but still a chance to watch everything kick off at one time. No better spot to watch from the Emerald Queen because there are a buttload. That's the technical term, by the way, they use here at the Emerald Queen Casino. A buttload of TVs here inside the sports bar. UConn given seven and a half, by the way, tonight here at the Emerald Queen Casino. I think they cover that easily, but that's just me. I also thought Gonzaga was going to win the whole thing, so don't take my advice on any of this stuff. But what we do know, Huey, tonight, Jim Nance, who's a mountain of a man, by the way, Literally, physically, not just figuratively, he is a mountain of a man. He's like six foot four. You ever bump into Jim Nance? He's got those big, broad shoulders. He's a big dude, man. Yeah. So Jim Nance is calling his last Monday night national championship game tonight 
for CBS going back to 1991. Says he wants to focus more on the Masters, which is always the following week. Wants to spend more time with his kids. Uh, Iron Eagle is going to take over starting next year for CBS. But I want to ask you in a second if you've ever had any interactions uh, with, uh, with Jim Nance. Uh, get a story or two from you on that. But before we get to that, where do you say we take a little trip down memory lane and listen for one more time to the greatness of the voice of college basketball, Mr. Jim Nance of CBS. And hello, friends. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Hello, friends, Jim Nance. Championship night. There's nothing like it. Final seconds. Jordan will put up the jumper. It doesn't matter. Duke has won its first national championship. Too much time. Too much time. Great defense, Arkansas. And they take it away. McDaniel will end it in style. Arkansas in home heaven. They've won the first ever national championship. You don't have a lot of time here. Pressure from Jones. Langdon trips. And you can't stop it. comes over and says, we shot the world. Folks, you got to believe because just when people say you can't, you can. And UConn has won the national championship in its first attempt in a final. Kansas has made only two threes on the night. They must make one here to extend the game. Collins driving, almost lost the handle. Chalmers for the tie. Got it for two seconds. Unbelievable. Dozier at midcourt for the championship. No, we're going to overtime in San Antonio. Not going to try. It's Hayward pulling it down. Getting around Zubat at midcourt. Launches the shot. Oh, almost went in. Almost went in. And Duke is the king of the dance, 2010. Ball back out to Andrew for the three, and that one's off. Tapped under the hands of Bert White with five seconds on this most improbable tournament run. Goes to an end with a UConn championship. It's Barry, who had the hot hand from three in the first half. They're going to have to do something from the outside now. It's Page off balance. Puts it seconds to go. How about that kid? <laughs> 4.7 seconds. Oh, Villanova trying to go length of the court with Archie Diakono. Three seconds at midcourt. Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship. <laughs> the national champions with Jenkins hitting the winner at the buzzer. Gotta go fast. Jerome gives it up. Far side, Hunter hits the three to tie it. Oh my goodness, with 12 seconds remaining. What a kick and find. Rebound into the hands of Hunter and Virginia with the all-time turnaround title. Brown on Manic, and here we go. Manic circling around, he slipped underneath. They go to Love, Love's gonna be the one to take it. Puts up the shot, it's off! The game is over, and Kansas completes the biggest championship comeback. God, it's so hard to imagine Monday night college basketball national championship without that voice. It really is. And maybe I'm getting a little corny here, being a little verklempt on the air, a little emotional. But, I mean, really, dude, I, I was 16 years old when Jim Nance started calling Monday night national title games for CBS. And I'll be 50 in August. So, really... 
this is kind of all I know. I don't remember much about Brent Musburger when he was on those calls or Gary Bender back in the day. You're a bit older than me, so maybe you have more yeah. memories of those guys than I do. But I do. it's it's insane to imagine that tonight is the last night we're going to hear Jim Nance on a national championship call on Monday night in a college basketball title game. Crazy. Well, his his tempo and his his level of exuberance is just always right. And, and you notice in that – entire stretch and i understand it's a montage but you know he doesn't kick one play by play when does he ever not nail it exactly he never steps on himself whatsoever so you know he's just a a pro a hall of famer and i would imagine for our listeners if if you were you know this this is like uh, on your second pitcher beer if you had to trade your life for somebody else you got to give up your life you get to be you you get to stay you but you got to take on somebody else's life think of jim nance Played on the Houston golf team with Fred Couples. So he's a good right. enough golfer. I'm assuming he's probably at or near a scratch still, right? Uh, low single digit. And all that traveling, all of those games that he's called, all the people, all the context, all the, you know, he's made a fortune doing something that all of us would, would love to do if we had the talent. I mean, he's, he's, you know, there's not a lot of, people that you'd look and you'd say uh, well his life is better than Jim Nance I mean if you're a sports guy Jim Nance is is about at at the top of the list no no question I mean you ask me who would I like to trade my life with well not many people but he'd be one of them I mean Fred Couples might be another as well right Right. for God's sake so there's a couple there's a couple of dudes out there for sure but I I had a chance bad back for 40 exactly I I had a chance to meet him uh in San Antonio in 2004 he was just awesome. He was incredibly uh, humble. Uh, that's the one thing I remember about him is how humble he was when I met him in San Antonio in 2004. But you, you, you've been doing this whole sports thing a lot longer than I have, by the way. It's because you're 10 years older than me. You, yeah. You got any uh, any interactions with well, Jim Nance? Well, the first time I met with Jim Nance, uh, I was playing for the Patriots. We were playing the Vikings. Yep. And uh, they had Rich Gannon. And, and we actually had uh, – I mean, if you look at my game log – it reads like the the script of a, a horror movie, right? So, but I did have a few. Wait, decent what year games. was this again? What year was this again? Ninety one. All right, I'm bringing up your game log right now. I'm uh, bring it up right now. No, we're not talking about right. the game log. Just bring up the Viking game, okay? Okay. All right. And, okay. Um, Here's the it Viking goes to game overtime, log. I'm looking at it right we, now. It's we, awful. we get a late field. You know, we have to drive down. We got the ball late. Kick a field. Anyways. Um, so I actually played one of my only decent games in front of Jim Nance. And then, and then a few years later, I was with Sean McDonough. He and I were neighbors in Boston. So now I'm pretty sure this was when Sahali had the PGA Championship. Right. Um, right. And, and all the CBS crew and Sean was working for CBS. I think we all, I, I got invited, went out to dinner and, and Nance, uh, you know, was just so like, uh, it was like it happened yesterday. And he's talking about the Viking game or whatever. Now, fast forward over a decade. Later, go to, to the uh, the only Masters I've ever been, 2009, the year Angel Cabrera won it. I got my buddy Tiger, the attorney and the, and the judge. You know Tiger, right? And, yep. and this is on Thursday, earlier in the day. Uh, I, I assume TBS was on the air or something. But Nance has got about 10 people around him. And I said, you know, I, I know Jim a little bit. A T- I'll, I'll just go up and uh, shake my hand. And from about 15 feet away, he looks up. And right in front of he goes, you Millen, number seven on your program, number one in your heart. And I just, my, and, and, and then Jim Nance is taking us through the butler cabin. Wow. And he sits my buddy Tiger. He just met Tiger. He sits wow. him down in the exact interview chair, all the lights. 
And Jim Nance does a fake interview of my buddy Tiger. This is Tiger before there was Tiger, right? Because um, he's my age. But but he made me feel like uh, like like full of helium, man. That's awesome. And so if That's I'm just awesome. a, an abject pissant like me, if he can be that good, right? Uh, and, and my and and take in my friend and make me feel that way. Think of all the people he has touched in a similar regard that that, no that you know have, have accomplished. Egads more than me. What would you have done if Jim Nance had looked at you from across the hall and said, "Hey, Jim Everett, how are you?" <laughs> what would you have done? I would have, I would have said, "Well, uh, what have I expected? Anything else?" Exactly. Would have said, "Yeah, the I, fact I, that he, for the course, the fact that he knew who you were is oh, incredible. Just, just that is awesome. Nuts. Over, well, over a decade later, yeah, like so, his recall, incredible. Uh, you, incredible. You know, so I just, I, I can't imagine that there's not, you, you know. Hundreds, thousands of people that have similar stories. Oh, no question. I, I'm sure that's what's made him beloved by a lot of people, right? And I, I'm, I'm trying to think of any missteps that he's made professionally, uh, either as a broadcaster or even kind of off the air. And I, I know there was one reference he made. I think it was at the Genesis either last year, two years ago, whatever, where he made some movie reference that was, like, totally wrong and fans were busting his chops on Twitter for it. But that's about as bad as it got, right? I mean, this guy has been freaking flawless, man, throughout his entire career. And the story that you told about him remembering you all those years later, uh, I'm, I'm sure he does that to a lot of people, right? And we've been around people like that. Mike Holmgren was like that. Lorenzo Romar is like that, where everybody they're talking to, that guy or gal that they're talking to at that point in time, is the most important person in the room. And there's people that have that ability to do that, people that have that recall ability to not just make you feel important but also remember you and who you are and what you did and what their relationship is with you going back to, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So, no, nah, dude, it's uh, for me it's kind of a sad occasion. Uh, you know, it really is because growing up as a kid in my teens uh, – Jim Nance calling Final Fours and Monday night and Super Bowls and Masters is unbelievable. So I'm just glad he's going to continue doing the NFL, and he's not going to stop doing the Masters. I don't know why he'd stop doing the Masters. He loves golf. You've seen that video of his backyard. He's got a freaking par three in his backyard for crying out loud. The guy is blessed beyond belief, and he's freaking awesome. I'm going to miss him on on Monday night for sure. Now, I've come around on Joe Buck, um, uh, and and yet when Joe Buck first started doing football, I thought there was an arrogance to him, like mm-hmm. like oh I'm a baseball guy, you know football's blessed to have me type of thing. Yeah. I, again, I've changed that opinion. But Jim Nance has always struck me as a guy that feels incredibly honored, like like yep. lucky, fortunate, grateful to be in the uh, situation. He never felt like he's big timing anything. No question. We'll get a break. Uh, Mike DeCourcy is going to join us, by the way, from Houston at 5 o'clock tonight. Mariners dropped three out of four. How about we kind of get a couple of uh, Mariner overreaction tweets to the first four games of the year coming up at 545 tonight right here on Softy and Dick without Dick. You went for Dick on 93.3 KJRFM. Now back to Softy and Dick on your home for Seattle's best NFL draft coverage and the 2023 NFL Draft coming April 27th. Welcome to the NFL Draft. Sports Radio 93.3, KJR-FM. Start the party. 
We are back from the Emerald Queen Casino. Softy and Dick without Dick. He's out the whole week. You moaning for Dick uh, doing today's show, doing tomorrow's show. Uh, Going to skip out and uh, deny me a full week with you, by the way. So <laughs> I guess you need a break from me as much as I need a break from you on Wednesday. But back on Thursday, Indeed. Friday on the radio show. Uh, I, I, I got to apologize, by the way. Apparently I've been giving out the wrong game time for tonight. Mariners play at 640, not 710. I still have the 710 thing in my brain. They play at 640. 40 during the week except for Friday night which I believe those games are at 710. Capiche? The opening be- game was No, no, no. Was, right, uh, correct. That was a Thursday night and that game was at 710, but uh because I think well, if there's a school night or the kids need to get to bed early whatever, yeah. Saturday you can play at 710, but Monday through Thursday you played 640. So tonight, here's the deal. Tonight, the San Diego State Yukon game tips off at 620. Uh, the Mariners go at 6.40, and the Kraken go at 7 o'clock tonight. So lots going on tonight in Seattle uh, from a national perspective and a local perspective. Uh, Husky basketball team getting a transfer. Some kid named Moses, by the way, Moses Wood, a senior from Portland, is going to transfer to play for Mike Hopkins and go Ron to UW. From the and, river. Yeah, well, I, I, I guess Mike Hopkins said, hey, look, man, there's nobody here. Come play basketball for me and take as many damn shots as you freaking damn well please. You can average 40 points a game playing for Husky basketball next year. You went to school at UW during a time when Husky basketball was was kind of moving a little bit, right? With Marv and Detliff and Christian Velpin, guys like that. Two-time Pac-10 champs. Uh, yep. uh, they're co-champs, but right. yeah, Detliff was that team. And Christian Velp, but uh, uh, yeah, no, they were uh, – Detliff is – Top five Husky favorite athlete all time. And here we are now, what, 40 years later, and they're as irrelevant as irrelevant can be. It's unbelievable. I got a guy sitting here at the Emerald Queen who was asking me, what's your name, by the way? Joel was asking me, is it true the Huskies kept Mike Hopkins because they couldn't buy him out? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the only reason why the guy's here, right? I mean, no disrespect to my man Joel over here, but there's literally no other reason to not get rid of Mike Hopkins outside of the financial terms of his contract to you. And it really should have been an opportunity uh, for these, you know, especially since the Sonics left. Right. You know, you've got a, a, a nice up and growing uh, urban center that's one of the most uh, affluent in the country. And uh, there's a ton of talent around here. And you can be the guy during the winter, right? Right. Not, it, ordinarily, you know, in years past, you'd share that stage with the Sonics. Yep. Right. But uh, off the cuff here, but. You know, that but shocks after, the audience. Here's by what the I way. remember Lorenzo that done, Romar. That you've done studies on spreadsheets that stuns the hell out of everybody yeah, I know, I know. tuning in right now. What I, what I did is I took <laughs> Lorenzo Romar. This is after Lorenzo Romar's 14th year. All right. I, I remember that part of it. And what I did is I took a couple of databases and then, you know, just write, uh, uh, you know, cross reference them and, and write a couple formulas. This, is, this was the objective how many tournament wins per drafted player? That okay. makes sense. So, yes. so, you, so you got a, you, you got one chart of all the tournament wins. You know, Kentucky was at the top, and you work your way down. Right. And then, and then there's another table that has has the number of drafted players. And during at that time, Romar's 14 years, they, uh, as far as a ratio, they had the third worst in all of mm. basketball. Mm. They had the fewest amount of wins per drafted player. Yeah, I think the only thing that was was worse, if I remember right, was uh, Florida State, and uh, maybe uh, I want to say LSU. Don't, yeah, don't quote me on that. But uh, you know who was the best? I'll just tell you. Hmm. Uh, 
Butler followed by Wisconsin. Butler and Wisconsin had the most wins per drafted player. So the point point in saying all that is is you remember that that bevy of of drafted players we had, and we had no NCAA tournament wins to show for it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's disappointing, and you're watching all these videos. You're going to see one shining moment tonight when the game is over. And to not see UW even remotely a part of this is an absolute buzzkill for me, right? I mean, some of my greatest memories as a sports fan are going on the road with these guys in 2005 and 2006, hell, even in 2004 when they had the number one seed and going to Louisville, or excuse me, New Mexico, and play in Louisville. And it just feels like this program is so freaking far away from where they've been. But let me switch gears back to the NFL, Hugh, for a second, because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts. The conversation we had, I think it was Friday, about B. John Robinson on the air, when yeah. you said that B. John Robinson is a running back without flaw. And I asked you on the air, if, if I told you that B. John Robinson was going to be Josh Jacobs or he was going to be Jonathan Taylor, would you take him at number 20? And you said, yeah, number 20, yeah. But number five is maybe obviously a little bit too high. Been a long time since we've seen a running back good enough to, I think, go in the top five of the NFL draft. But I, I just think if you could tell me that he's going to have that kind of a career, how could anybody say at number 20 that B. John Robinson is, is, is taken too high if he ends up having that kind of a career like a Jonathan Taylor or a Josh Jacobs? Well, it's the opportunity cost of what you could have got from that spot. I mean, if, if somebody at 21 or 22 uh, goes to the Hall of Fame at a position of need, then you could say, well, we had Kenneth Walker. Did we really need that much of an upgrade? And, and even if you get B. John Robinson, you're going to have to – to sort out uh, uh, who who is the uh, uh, you know where the carry the carries going. I'm uh, sorry, I'm, I was just kind of tr- yeah, pulling up this, this uh, chart here. Saquon Barkley was uh, the number two overall. Leonard Fournette um, was four. Ezekiel Elliott was four. Mm-hmm. Number Trent Richardson, right? Um, I'm just going back in the last since we've been doing the mock draft, which this will be our 25th year. Uh, Ricky Williams. I'm, I'm I'm trying to remember not what they became, yep. but what what was thought of them as a general consensus going into the draft. Who? To, I mean, you've been right next to me, sitting next to me on these mock yeah. drafts and and doing the drafts. Who were the five years the, the running backs that you remember being having the most the the most uh, uh, you know the highest reputation going in? I mean, I think the answer to me, Adrian Peterson, even though he went seventh. Right, I think that Adrian Peterson was more highly thought of, and 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 you know, quite honestly, Saquon Barkley as well too. Right, sure, sure. But um, uh, but Bijan Robinson, I, I don't know. I, I I put him against anybody, uh, just about. Ladanian Tomlinson was uh, uh, no, he was a number five overall pick. Right. Hall of Famer. And that was what Edwin 20 James years ago. Is a Hall of Fame. Yeah, famer. right. Well, that's the that that's the name that Daniel Jeremiah used when he I asked him for a comp and he said Edron James. He said this guy reminds me of Edron James. So if Bijan Robinson ends up as Edron James in his career, you damn right you take him at 20 and hell you take him at 5. If he's going to be Edron James, you would take him at number 5. I do want to come back if we can at 5:30 tonight, Hugh, cuz I asked you on the air last week as well. If I could guarantee you that Anthony Richardson would have Cam Newton's career, would you take him? 
and you said no on the show on Friday, and then you said you're going to go home, you're going to pop open a beer, you're going to sit back in your favorite chair, and you're going to ask yourself, now why the hell did I say no to Cam Newton's career? I want to revisit that two days later okay. and see if you've changed your mind at 530 right. tonight. Mike DeCourcy right. is going to join us, by the way, from Houston. He's at the San Diego State-UConn game uh, at the stadium. He'll be on with us next segment right here on 93.3 KJRFM. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.